I'm wrestling, you're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 57 of the T-Row and Funky Show, brought to you, as always, by Defense Soap, Defend What You Have Built, and Dalmer Mats. Tommy, what's up, man? Nothing much, my brother. I'm happy to be on Skype for once. It seems like the last few podcasts I've been on the road, but uh, it's good to get in touch. we got plenty of good stuff to talk about, but um, I understand you just got back from Washington. You were representing some fighter interests in the MMA space. Can you talk about it a little bit with us, or is it confidential stuff? No, it's not confidential at all, and frankly, the more we spread the word, the better it's going to be. And so, you know, MMA is going through a lot of changes right now, ne- necessary changes. It's growing as a sport. It was it was a spectacle 20 years ago. Now it's a, a real sport. And, you know, a lot of this has to do with what's in the fighter's best interest. And the Alley Act is one of those things. And so the group pushing, there's a couple different associations slash unions. The group that's pushing the, the Alley Act the hardest is called the Mixed Martial Arts Fighters Association. And the Ali Act, it already exists. It's a boxing law. And all we're trying to do is now make it a law that is for combative athletes. Gotcha. And so you're not really like, you're not reinventing the wheel here. It's just, you just got to add a couple words to the, or cross out a word, add a word to uh, what's already there on the books. And uh, met with, uh, I think I met with five congressmen and, and then two staffers of congressmen. And you know everyone was really receptive. It's not a it's not a hard concept for them to get. The law already exists, uh, and really kind of across the board, Democrats and Republicans um, were in favor of it. So what what's going to be the hurdles then? Just the political mumbo jumbo with um, the UFC and what have you? Well, the UFC's already spent quite a bit of money on lobbyists. Uh, that that being said, I I don't know that there's any hurdle. I think the only hurdle would actually be Mr. Donald Trump. And the reason that that would be the case... Oh, my gosh. I mean, that would hurt your feelings so bad. I know, right? Because I, th- I think we're to get that through the House and through the Senate without too much trouble is, is what I would envision. Um, but but um, Trump was in his media career... I'm sorry. Entertainment career was managed by a guy named Ari Gold. Ari Gold is the head of WME-IMG, WME-IMG just bought the UFC, so obviously you could see with there being a pre-existing... Yeah, so I'm not sure that it's going to happen. I mean, like I said, the law already exists. It's not like they have to make a new law. So, uh, but we'll see what happens. All right, man. Well, that's pretty interesting. Did you... So... I mean, do you, are you going to be end up? Are you going to end up going back there a lot? I mean, are you kind of a rep for the whole sport, sure. or were you just in for the week? Or yeah, I, th- I think they. Uh, I was in for the day. I think they're going to try to send someone twice a month. Um, it, it was a very interesting experience. Uh, a guy named Mark Wayne Mullen out of Oklahoma. He was actually a wrestler at Moval College, and then he actually fought MMA. He's a congressman out of the state of Oklahoma, and he's kind of the one spearheading the bill. Gotcha. Um, and so. Yeah, I think they like the they like you know my story. My story 
is the exact story of why the Ali Act needs to exist. Um, obviously, a few other people have great stories, but I, I don't have to do much explaining. I just tell my story, and it, and it makes the perfect case for it. So, but um, what are the taglines in your story that make it the perfect case, Ben? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is that they would say the biggest thing is that, and there's a few big things, that in no other place does the people who control the contracts also control the titles. So, for example, Tommy, in football, the NFL controls the Super Bowl, but the teams control the contracts, right? right. And so that, so with the UFC, because they control uh, both the contracts and the titles, um, they can kind of push who they want, and they can make the rankings go the way they want. And they, they can kind of there's kind of things at their leisure, and. Right. and the, you know, the argument with the U.S. government is when it's a sport, it needs to be a sport. And if it's entertainment, it needs to be entertainment. But it's hard to play both fields there. And right. that's what the UFC is trying to do. And so what would happen, and this is kind of confusing for a lot of people, what would happen would be there would be independent rankings, right? Not No, it would not be organizations that did the rankings. Then on top of that, the the promoter and the sanctioning body of the title have to become separate entities, Okay, so like for example, in boxing, a Golden Boy or a Top Rank or a Mayweather Productions, they would be the promotion, right? They're the ones who, who put on the fights, and then the WBC or the IBF, those are the titles. So it's like the separation of church and state, almost. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very, it's very similar to that. So that that's like I, I would say that's the that's biggest piece of it. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Then there's there's things about the how long and how coercive the contracts can be for the athletes that kind of standardize that. Um, and then actually, th this is really interesting and really relevant, is that a title fight um, is bid upon, right? So say, let's just, let's just make a new title because the WBL, WBC, which is the World Boxing Commission, obviously they don't exist in MMA. So we'll say the World MMA Commission, WMMAC, um, yeah. they have their belt, right? Right. And they have a they have their and then they have their ranking, so they have a one through whatever. So the one versus the two, there's a champion, right? And then there's the two. The two gets a mandatory title shot. Now that title shot gets bid on by the promoters. So the UFC can bid on it, one championship can bid on it, Bellator can bid on it, World Series of Fighting can bid whoever wants to bid on it can bid on it. Right. right? In addition, they have to disclose their finances for that event. And so what you see in boxing is that boxers and title events, uh, the, the athletes take home approximately 80% of the pay from the event, 80% wow. of the revenue. Where it's a, it's a, It surprises me that you can still make a profit. Well, I mean, they, they obviously do or the promoters wouldn't keep bidding on the events. Of course. So, so, yeah, of course. Of course. I know that. I'm just surprised by that that uh, revenue share. That it's still worth their time, I guess. Yeah, you know, I don't think it has the. I don't think those those promoters have the infrastructure that the UFC does, so they probably take a lot of overhead off right. the top because they're doing less shows. I would guess. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, right now in MMA, and and so because the UFC hasn't disclosed their finances, and now that they sold for four point two billion dollars, a lot of people get the idea that they made a lot of freaking money, right? Right. Um, right. Right. But right. to this point, no one knew. So the to the everyone's best guess is. The athletes are taking on between eight and thirteen percent of revenue. Right. So, as compared to other major sports, they're all right around fifty, right? So, when you go in eight to thirteen to fifty, that that's a gigantic jump. And 
you can see MMA fighters as a whole are very grossly underpaid. And one of the things that makes it a challenge for all these associations, because there's a couple of them trying to get going, is that obviously it's an individual sport. And so say if you were a baseball union, right, which they, they have a – I think it's MLB Players Association it's called. Uh-huh. Um, they go to the Brewers and they talk to 30, 30 some of the Brewers, right? And then they go to the Indians. They talk to 30 Indians and they get people on board. Right. And with MMA – um, there's no teams that you can go talk to a bunch of people at once. It's like people are spread, uh, you know, all throughout the world. Maybe a big mixed martial arts team might have 15 yeah, pros. It's just, so maybe. it's a lot more fragmented. Yeah. Not as easy of a target to go speak with. Mm-hmm. But I think for the future of the fighters, it's um, it's a really important topic, and it's hopefully something these fighters will get more and more wise to. Because the the other part of the equation here, you're talking, Tommy, is that. The reason the fighters get screwed is because the supply and demand is so skewed. Because in any gym across the country, you got a whole bunch of pros that are fighting for five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks at, you know, a local show. Uh huh. And if the UFC guy walks in the door and says, "Say here's ten and ten, which is the base salary," they're freaking excited and they're on TV and they're pumped up and of course they're going to say yes to that. Right, right. So all, all the whole lower level UFC, they really have no leverage. I mean, none. Because otherwise they're gone, and then, and then they go to you know go to like I said any gym in the country, and you got twenty guys jumping at the chance. So your career, I mean this this is probably not going to get resolved in the same timeline for for what I've assumed how much longer you want to fight. So you're just doing this because you like to fight the good fight. I mean, or I mean, yeah. how impact you? You know what I mean? Yeah, I you know I don't I I would doubt that it's going to be resolved by the time my career is over, but. Um, I mean, actually, there's very few at really active UFC fighters in it because they they, they do get bullied if they get in the hop oh, yeah. in. So they don't, don't want to fight the hand that feeds them. Yeah. So Randy Couture is a, is a big uh, big guy leading this. John Fitch, who's kind of another older fighter, is another guy leading this. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm kind of at a point in my life where I can do what I want. I've, I've made money. I've saved my money, which is something a lot, a lot of fighters have not done. Um, so I, I'm not in a situation where I can be forced into doing anything, and if I think it's the right way to go, I'm I'm going to push the issue because I because I I've seen the dark side of MMA and I've seen how fighters can get screwed, and if I can do my little part to help, I'm going to do my little part to help. Look at Ben Askren go, man! I love it. <laughs> it's great, dude. I love it. Yeah. So so we'll see. Washington was really interesting. It, you know, it was kind of like civics class, Tommy. It's been a while since I've been in school and. Um, you know, each one of the congressmen, they, they have like seven staffers. So it's kind of, we would go do our meeting. Then we'd come back to, to Mark Wayne's office and I'd hang out with the staffers. And I'd say, right. you know, what's going on here? What's going on there? And I, I you know, I was getting the lowdown. Um, it was really funny. We were next to Debbie Wasserman Schultz was, was the next office over. And wow. I look, looked at it and became like, ah, who is that? I know who that is. Who is it? And it took me like a while to ring up that that was the lady that gave Hillary the questions. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So that that so that was fun. Um, didn't get to see the Donald. There was not really any protesting going on. He's having a heck of a week though, Ben. Man, he he just came out firing, huh? Came out both guns blazing, and I and and you know I I understand that people didn't vote for him and they don't like him, but there's nothing that he did this week that he didn't say he would yeah. do if he was elected. Yeah, no, he, he's he's following the course. Yeah, he's, he's just doing what he said, so that's interesting. And um, I think he's I think he's doing a good job. I think he had a good week one. 
Yeah, and you know the one thing with with the economy that and that 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 hopefully to me that's his main focus. I don't really care what he does. I would if it was me, I just have him just focus just on the economy. But right now, um, at some point, and and, and there is a likely chance it'll be during his administration. Um, you know, we're nineteen trillion dollars in debt, Tommy. So we're going to go through some hard times sooner or later. Um, and so, you know, if the Fed raises interest rates or something, we're going to have to deal with some tough times here. And, and I, I have a feeling that as soon as something gets tough, Trump's going to get blamed, like, immediately. Right, right. You think interest rates are going to go up? I mean, they have to, right? They've been as low as they've been for, what, five years now or something? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been super low. Yeah, yeah. All right. Enough That's not why people about. tune into our show, though. So I we should probably get off of interest rates. I was hoping I would see Jim Jordan. I did not see Jim Jordan. Um, you should have called him, man. I did see another um, – obviously, Mark, Mark Wayne Mullen is, is a wrestler. And there was another guy I met um, who's a wrestler. What the hell is his name? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking. I can't remember what his name was. Um, but I did meet him yesterday. So that was fun. Um so I guess what we have to talk about to lead up the show, and there's a lot of things to talk about in this in this one match, is Iowa versus Penn State. Um, what's your overall takeaways? Oh, uh, Penn State's impressive. They um, they wrestle, the, you know, the way they wrestle is the right way. I thought that um, I, I thought that Iowa did okay. I mean, they did better against Penn State than I thought they did against Oklahoma State. Really? Not, well, not in terms of results. I just thought they wrestled better. They put more points okay. on the board. I mean, well, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting, Tommy, and that was something that you pointed out, was that Iowa was losing the close matches again. You pointed that out against Oklahoma State. You said in, in the past, Iowa would not have lost these matches, and they did. Um, yep. And the same thing, obviously, Sorensen. Sorensen did a great job, but, you know, that would be considered a close loss. And then at 97... Uh, McCutcheon versus uh, Cash Wilkie. That was another yep. one that super yep. close, and um, I I would didn't get it done there. And you know those two matches flipped. I guess I don't, I, I, guess I don't really count forty nine because I was impressed that sure. it was close. That's um, fair. So it wasn't as alarming to me. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, yeah. Man, there's just a lot of juice. There's a lot of juice in this. Oh, oh I'm sorry. And the other one, the other one there was uh, in that in that club was. Um, 141. That guy fell apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Gillibon scored with the exact same setup, the exact same shot, and the exact same finish four times in a row in one period. Yeah, I know. That That's mind-blowing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, same setup, same shot, same finish, didn't change a thing. You know the, the the whole. Have you ever wrestled in Carver Hawkeye for a dual meet, Ben? I have, unfortunately, I have not. So the whole. Well, that's okay. I never wrestled in Gallagher Iowa, so you know you were kind of sure. It, it, but it's it's. I, I I wrestled. You know, I coached against Iowa. I wrestled against Iowa. And it wasn't during a run where they were dominant. You know, it was kind of in a darker period for the program. But but yeah. I've got to be honest with you, man. The the, the that arena. Is just it's like a vacuum as a visitor, <laughs> and you know you got the crowd against you, the refs against you. There's just there's an energy level about the guys you're wrestling that's different than other events. It's just 
it's like a it's a it's own unique experience. I loved every minute of it. I thought it was cool. It's like a, almost like a social experiment, so to speak. And so what what did uh, what's your record against Mako and Carver Hawkeye? You know, I never wrestled him in Carver Hawkeye. How? Yeah, so we wrestled in the Midlands Finals, then we wrestled at Ohio State, then we wrestled in the Big Ten Finals and National Finals. And then the next year, we wrestled in the Midlands Finals again. We wrestled at the National Duels. We wrestled in the okay. Big Ten Finals. So we wrestled wow. seven times in college and never at Carver Hawkeye. Never at Carver Hawkeye. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but but anyways, I've just – it's – you know, like the Zane Rutherford loss, and or I'm sorry, not the loss, but the overtime win. It just, I just feel like if they wrestled in any other place, it would be like a three or four point win. You know, that you place. So. But I felt, see, I would feel like Zane's one of those guys who's kind of, um, he's just immune to that, right? That that's what that, that's, that's what I would think. Did you listen to Kale's press conference? I did not. No. So, so I don't know if he didn't want to be the guy that like makes excuses for his guys, or if he didn't want to let in too much inside information. But he corrected himself very quickly. He said, "I'm really proud of Zane. You know, he didn't feel the best in the world, and you know, he just went out there anyway." And then he kind of stopped himself, and he said, "I don't want to take anything from Sorensen. You wrestled a great match. I'm just proud of Zane and uh, pushing through and getting the win." And it mm, just interesting. Kind of, Kind of reading between the lines for me. Sure, Kale's not a—he's not really a bullshitter, you know. At least in my opinion. No, he's not. I, I think I think Rutherford might have been uh, a little bit more than under the weather, but they, you know, it's a big going, going into the dual meet. It was a, it's a big dual meet, and you know, you need him. You got to have him, guys. So he might have been under the weather. I don't know. I just I just don't see that match going that way next time they wrestle for obvious reasons. I don't think I'm in the minority here, but. Boy, it's, it was a, it's never went that way before. They've wrestled what three times last year. Yep, and it, yep. it was obviously never that close. Um, and he got taken down twice. Also, that was. Uh, I tell you what, Ben. Though you know, and you know this a little bit, sure. But when you let somebody in, whether they deserve to be in or not, they're in, and their mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Their, Changes their the perception. Mind, their, their mind is different from that point on, and maybe to some extent your mind gets a little different from that point on. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like it's close forever. And yeah. I've seen that happen Because Sorensen was actually having a worse year this year than he had either of the last two years. Correct. I mean, he was having a lot of tight matches. He had lost to Kalaku, who I don't believe he'd ever lost to before. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think you make a good point that when you let someone back into the rivalry, um, mentally and or otherwise, and, you know, honestly, if there's there's probably a couple other top guys, Michael Jordan being one who's looking at like, hell, maybe I can beat him, right? Because Zane had looked fairly untouchable the last year and a half. Right. No, so, I think I think it does – things in ways that are hard to measure but they're they're very visible to me it happened to me um ben with pat cummins the guy wrestled for my title you know i wrestled him and he was a walk-on and i was a blue chip recruit so he had a lot more ground to make up a lot more i guess you could call it easy ground he had a lot more fast you know moving ground to catch up to me but nonetheless um, I, I, I whipped him pretty good in our redshirt year. He's a walk-on for Penn State. I was, you know, some scholarship guy, and I'm whipping him the way that I should. Should, And then the next year, I wrestled him um, 
once or twice in some dual meets and stuff and beat him by like six or seven. I could tell he was getting better. But then our junior year, um, I just wrestled bad and I think he was better. And he only be- I only beat him by one at the Midlands. And I remember walking off the mat saying, for the first time, I could tell that he, he thinks he can beat me. Damn. And when someone when someone really believes that yeah they you, fight a lot harder everything becomes harder they just, yeah they just fight a lot harder you know it's like it's like my son if 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 i run one mile an hour faster than him in a foot race he's gonna keep right <laughs> but sure. if i blow him out of the water he quits you know i mean that's just the human it's the human condition it exists in all of us some more so than others and i just think that that you know, we, we we like to operate in a vacuum mentally and just say that we're not that, affected. That's not true. But we are. We are affected. We are affected. Thousand percent. And so the, the you know that type of stuff happens in college wrestling. I'm not saying it's happened with Rutherford and Sorison, but that type of match I've seen happen, and it's different from that point on. Yeah, definitely. Hey, let's let's go back to the beginning because I think you're trying to. Uh, I just realized I think you're trying to uh, avoid eating some crow here. Oh, what did I do? What well, I, I think I said it's going to be 3-2, two, two, and, and Soriano's going to be trying four. to get the takedown. Listen, It was 3-2, and, and Soriano was trying to get the takedown. To, to an extent, you did a little bit of Nostradamus on this duel. Um, at least on the on the scoreboard. On the scoreboard. For two of the ball, matches, really two. The, this yeah. one and then Nolf Kemmerer. Yeah, so so you were you were absolutely dead on on Gilman, Soriano. Got to give you major, major props. So that. let me ask you this: that it was close. It was closer than you thought. Um, I thought it was yeah. pretty tight. But was there anything there that made you think, "Hey, Soriano can really win this"? I think he can really win it. I think there's a big difference in strength and size in uh, yeah. in that particular match. But I think he's so pesky and so solid and and so young too. I mean, he could be a different wrestler in two months. But I think there's a size difference. That just won't be overcome in the next two months. So he's got to. I think he's got to find something else. I don't think that what he brought the other night was enough, and I, that sh- should should come as no secret because he lost. But I just think he's got to bring something else to the table. But literally, like just like one more thing, like one more small thing, um, whether it be getting getting in deeper more often. You know, I, I you know, there's a lot of variables as you know, sure. Ben. Yeah, I I think he could pull it off. Yeah, and I didn't think so going into it so i think he's got to you know make some adjustments um i don't think i think if he wrestles the same way he'll lose the same way every time but but he's just so close that yeah i could see him winning i you know what i man i feel like obviously i I said it's gonna be three two but i just um i just think gilman's better i i just don't see that result changing it's gonna be tight but i really don't see the result changing is that fair yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, with the freshmen, you know, it just it just gets different. Yeah, and, and Kale's got him ready as freshmen. So, um, and, and do you think it's those two going away? Or you think Joey Dance can sneak in there and has a chance at it still? Joey Dance has has more than a chance of sneaking in. At it. I think he's the most talented guy in the weight, um, even though you don't believe in talent. Talent and doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't exist. So, so we still haven't had that episode, Tommy. I actually just read this um, fantastic book called Peak. It's a, it's by Anders Ericsson, who's he's kind of the preeminent researcher on on expertise and what you would call talent. And uh, so, I, I have even more ammunition than I had previously. 
But yeah. any, anyways, so dance, dance, because dance will probably be the, the two seed. I'm guessing. Uh it's looking that way, right? Well, because uh, likely Suriano's going to lose again to Gilman at the at the Big Tens, right? And I, I does dance have what one loss? I'm not sure. Shoot. I'm hey, so sure. and then let's go to 57 here because I wait, think wait, wait, the, we, we skipped 33 and 41. I wanted to go to your predictions, but yeah, we'll just go in order then. We'll go in order then. Well, 33 wasn't competitive. Jaden Cortez is out for the year. Um, and then there was that thing I mentioned to you last week, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Remember? Um, 41. So let, let me ask you this about 41 because you were talking about mental. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I can't speak to that because, you know, I can't speak to that. So We keep, we keep savers on the show sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let me ask you this, Tommy. Um so at 41, Gil, uh, Gilbon's really been struggling, right? Big time. Yeah. Big time struggling. And and Topher Carton's not great, so maybe that's what it is. But, I mean, you're down 3-0 in the third period at Carver-Hawkeye, and then you come back and you get four takedowns. Is that something that puts you over the edge and gives you a little more confidence, or is it just like Topher Carton's not that good and he should have won that match? I would, I would say that. I would the latter is probably more true than not that Tofa Carton's not that good because Gulaban has he's already shown signs of great things. He's he, you know what he's what he's shown is that he's not consistent in his career sure. colleg- collegiately. So he does things. I mean he's capable of anything. I mean I would hate to have Jimmy Gulaban in the second round of the NCAA's or the quarters if I'm like seated third because it's like. The guy's you know three or four times state champion PA. He's an All American. Everyone knows he's got talent. He's he's got some Matt savvy. He's been yeah. wrestling since he was three years old. You know he's just kind of like that Matt Rat, um, you know wrestling PA wrestling junkie. And it's like you can never count him out, but he's just never developed a consistency about him that makes me feel like he's going to go through that three day grind in the third yep. week in March um, yeah. without some some casualties. You know what I mean? I would uh, I would echo that sentiment. So uh, yeah, so I think forty nine we kind of discussed at length. Let, let's uh, let's hear what you got at fifty seven. Well, I think you were more right than not on this, but it wasn't as Nostradamus as you were at twenty five because the score was absolutely um, what you predicted, and mm-hmm. I got to give you credit. I got to give you credit for that <laughs> yeah. uh, because it was a stingy score. But I mean, I'm hoping you saw the same thing I saw. I, I saw the same thing you saw. It was not. It was not close. It was not as competitive as. I mean, Kemmer did a great job holding them off in the in the in the first period where they got in a bunch of those scrambles and no one scored. But yeah, you, you saw it as that match wore on. Nolf got stronger and Kemmer got weaker, and that was just what there was. Hey, I'll tell you this, Tommy, and this is an open invitation too. Michael Kemmer, if he came and trained with me, give me two weeks with that dude. He might beat Nolf next year. I, oh my gosh! I'll tell you what, because he gets in. There's about two or three positions he gets into that he just doesn't know how to finish in. That right. he's putting himself in position for cradles and for other stuff that he just he doesn't see because they, they don't let's do that. Put out, let's put it out there that Michael Kemmerer. I open invitation, Michael. Hit me open up, bro. Invitation. Are we? How are we getting him up there? We're we gonna fill up his gas tank. Get him. Get him. Put him in well, your. I mean, if he doesn't want to make an investment into getting better, I can't help him. So he might have his own gas tank. Boom. So free of charge. Your services are free. I but got get- a guest bedroom. I mean, he might have to get out of here when we're doing the podcast, but he can stay here the rest of the time. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like 
We should we should publicize this. We gotta start tweeting about it. Kemmerer, we need you. Funky wants to help you. He wants to get the olive branch out there for the, for yeah. the University of Iowa. And uh, I, you know, I just love wrestling. I love and I love helping kids that want to get better. And like I said, he puts himself in like a handful of these situations that I just have. They're just my positions. I win those positions, right. and I, and I score lots of points out of those positions. Right. And he gets there a lot. But he gets a lot of stalemates or, or maybe just two points, and he, he doesn't score enough out of these situations. Which So I know that he already gets there, so that just, right. they're just adding a few little things to it, and boom, he'd be off to the races. Right, right. I'm, I'm with you. I like yeah. it. Anyways, I mean. But to your point, it, it wasn't as close as, as the score would have um, was, it was, uh But you could, you could tell to the point that you made. By the time you that, get to the um, bank and wait to get approved. That it was just a little bit stingier, even though Nope was in total control, in my opinion. He uh-huh. just he wasn't able to unload on him because there was a familiarity there that was evident from being at Young Guns. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. And there was just no point where I thought, "Hey, I'm nervous for Nolf here," or "Hey, he's in danger." There wasn't any of those. It was just, um, yeah, it was just stingy. They, they knew each other. He was kind of knew how to slow him down a little bit, and that, that was about it. Right. All right. Sixty-five. I got an interesting take here too. Um, so it's it's Chenzo versus Joey Gunther. Joey Gunther is now ranked. Hold on, I got the rankings up. Let me check. He he's down there low. Vincenzo is obviously having um, a very good freshman year. Right. Sorry, I want I want to see what Gunther's ranked before I misspeak. So Vincenzo is sixth. And Gunther is oh he's not ranked oh well I take that back he's not I thought he was ranked he's not ranked at least on flow piles maybe you're blowing it I'm not really sure um, <laughs> I don't know some of these dudes in the rankings um, so anyways uh, it was really close and and Vincenzo pretty much let Gunther push him around the two, for the last two periods in an underhook and I, I guess I was just dumbfounded. That Gunther would not attack. I mean, it, to me, it looked like, and maybe he doesn't shoot a high crotch, but it looked like he could have went, went underhook high crotch all day long. And then obviously, once you get in there, you got to finish it. But right. especially when you're losing in the third period, I could see in the second period push him around a little bit, get him tired, maybe get a stall warning. But in the third period, when you're down, and he 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 just wasn't firing. He he you know he's getting his underhook position. He was pushing him around. Sometimes he gets double unders, but he he wasn't firing the attacks necessary to win the match. And that ends. Yeah, no. Sorry, keep going. And so, I mean, what I saw actually was that I thought Vincenzo is kind of vulnerable. And, you know, we talk about this three day grind that he's going to have to go through at NCAAs against pretty much all good people. Um, Man, if if he looks as worn out for those matches at the NCAAs as he did (laughs) on Friday night, um, that could be a vulnerability for Penn State. I would agree 100%. The only thing I'm kind of holding out is just you know like i said i think carver hawkeye is more of a vacuum setting than any other setting in college wrestling even then the ncaa tournament yes i would i would say that it's more um in your there's more pressure you're putting more pressure on yourself the ncaa tournament but it's more awkward and just bizarre feeling than you know the the ncaa tournament because the ncaa tournament is you know, even though it's a bigger stage, it's the same type of stage as like a state tournament. And so, 
It's just it's just when the whole arena is against you and stuff. That Carver sure, Hawkeye sure. is really really different. It's a different experience. And yeah. I think he, I'm I'm wondering if he had a little bit of anxiety going on as a freshman or what have you. But if that's really all he's got in the tank, then yes, that's a problem. That that is a problem. Um, and so you know when you look at Penn, we we talked about kind of Oklahoma State's lineup a little bit more last week. They're kind of they're damn tough all all the way through. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go see them in person. I'm going to Missouri versus Oklahoma State tomorrow night in Missouri. Um, so I'm gonna get to see that one in person. But they, they, I mean they they're legit tough top to bottom. And they, who, do you, who do you got? Who do you got? Okie State or Penn State? If you, gun to your head, who are you taking right now? With a dual or tournament? Uh, both. Let's do do both. Um. Wait, you distracted me from my point. My point was that Penn State's got a few more holes, but obviously they got more big gun. Um, let me do the math. Let's see. I got I got Suriano. No, no, no. It's got to go. You just got to go. Uh, Oklahoma State both. Wow. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I mean, I, cause I think they win 33 pretty easy. I think they win 41 pretty easily. I think they can win at... 65, I think that, you know, Crutchmer obviously lost to Mark Hall, but I think that's still a competitive match. Um, and I think they win 97, and I think they probably win heavyweight. Um, I think it's tougher for them to win in a duel than it is in uh, in the NCAAs because what you got at the NCAAs, Tommy, is you got Zane and Nolf could win, right? Or they should win. We'll say they should win, right? I would say yes. They should win. But you could have Joe Smith and Kalka finish in two through four really easily. So right. although they're in, in a dual meet, they're losing both those matches, they're still scoring big points at that weight, right? Where right. a weight like 33 where Cade Brock is so good, um, I don't think that you're going to see the 33 from Penn State score very many points. And I don't really see – and Heil, who is going to win a decision in the dual meet – I think you probably have him as the favorite to win, and I don't really think Gilbon's going to place. So there's a few of those weights for Oklahoma State where they're, I think, quite a bit better. Um, 97's right. another one where I actually don't think Oklahoma State's guy's that great, but um, McCutcheon's really been struggling. I mean, Cash Wilkie is not a world beater, and, and it took everything he had to beat him. Um, right. The week before that, he lost to Studebaker. So, you know, I think you have some question marks there. And I would, I would actually at heavyweight, I, I would like to see how good um, Neville's is against you know what some of these better guys. I, so I took the time, yeah, I took the time to watch him against Iowa. I know it was a it was a pretty poor subject. That, that guy uh, was uh, not very good though. The backup. No, I agree. I'm with you. Okay. So what are you gonna say? He's good. Good skills. Good skills. Moves his feet well. I mean, yeah. He passes the eyeball test for a solid heavyweight. Not that that's a secret for anybody listening, but. Wait, so is Stoll oh. out for the season? Because I'm just looking here. Yeah, they... yeah, it, uh, blew he's out. out of... What? Yeah, he's out here. When did he blow his oh. down? Um, yeah, he's out for the year, man. I was done. Well, he's out for the year if the headline that I read is correct. I haven't dug deep on it, but well, I'm gonna Google it right now, Tommy. But um, I was done. If Stoll's out, they they're they're out of it, right? All the more reason to win. remember when you said that. Not bringing out Maryland is a fireable offense. So now you answer me this: well, you Is mean, it better? You can't predict. I mean, no, I would. I know, no, 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 no. I know, I know. Okay. So should he bring him out now, or is it more like now he should keep him in for sure, out of out of red shirt? Or I mean, should he bring 
Now, now you'd be less likely, but um, when you had stolen, I think you had to do it. Obviously, Penn State pulled it. Penn State pulled Hall and Soriano. They pulled all the cards out. Um, they're ready to go get it, and uh, and obviously we're going to talk to Mark, talk about Mark Hall in a second. Um, but yeah, with um, with Gilman, Clark, uh, oh my gosh, Meyer and and Brooks out next year. I thought you had to do it. Okay, let me see here. Friday, blah, 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 blah. ACL tear. Wow. His replacement, Stephen Holloway. Yeah, he's not very good. Oof. That, that's brutal. And this is funny. The next three guys he's got to wrestle are Neville Snyder and, uh, and Connor Medbury. Yeah, well, we'll find out. <laughs> brutal. Wow, I think that hurts. Um, wait, I want to see what uh, Marinelli said. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think it's good for the show when I, when I read these articles while we're. <laughs> yeah, it's um, like we're doing research. Brand says the best is the best individual situation to keep Marinelli out. That's what Brand says. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, but that's that's not the point. Not the point. It isn't the point. The point is to win the damn team title. Um, Okay, so 74, Mark Hall comes out of red shirt. What do you think? Well, I mean, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I thought it was – I thought it was, I think it's the right move. I mean – It's definitely the right move. I still believe it's the right move. And, you know, he's a freaking Southern Scuffle champion, and he's also a rookie. And he showed that more than he – he showed more that he was a rookie – then he was a Southern Scuffle champion last week. But, <laughs> yep. the, but, the, but the decision to bring him out and deciding if he's ready to win a national championship, you look at what the team, the position the team's in at Penn State and the weight class that he's competing in at 174, he can absolutely win the national tournament. Even yeah. after that. He slap. could. And honestly, oh. he could. But he, I don't know. I feel like he's the kind of guy who could, he could win and he could also. Uh, Not play. He could also – I was going to say play slow, but not, not play as fair also. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I could see either of those things happening. And you know what I think it is? And um, he just can't generate a huge amount of offense yet um, against these oh. guys. He's got a lot of tricks. He's he's solid on bottom and top. But just not, you know, he's not a, a guy who can score a huge amount of points on his feet against the better guys. He's got great counterattack leg attacks. So Yes. He'll he'll attack the legs off of somebody else's action in a very explosive, holy shit, that's going to work well in freestyle type of way. But yeah, I think I think he's got to be a guy that generates more of his own actions, and and he's fully capable of that. And he's in he's in the right hands with Kale because that's what Kale was awesome at. Yeah. But I think he's got to do that in the next couple months, and I think he's closer than. People would probably give him credit for it. No, at he's, he's like you said, he's a scuffle champ. He ain't far away, right? Um, right. so was it Carver that got him? I think Carver got him. Ooh, I mean, and that you know that's a guy who who should be ice cold, right? He means that he's won with Cadet World Titles, with Junior World Titles, but the I guess place, Car- Carver will get you. The place gets you, man. By the way, side note: Ohio State wrestles Iowa Friday. Did you I see? Know. What- are, you, are you going? No. Did you see what Luke Pletcher tweeted? Uh-oh. What did he tweet? Oh, uh, it was hilarious, especially if you've wrestled in Carver Hawkeye. But even if you haven't been, you, you're going to get the drift here. 
I'm, I don't want to misquote him because it was so good. Well, I want to hear it. He only has like uh, 2,200 followers, and he got 2,000 people to favorite this tweet. 2,000? That's an obnoxious amount. I got to look at this tweet. He goes, I'm leaving tomorrow to wrestle in Carver Hawkeye Arena, and I am just going to assume that I'm already stalling. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tweet. Isn't that great? <clears throat> go Luke Pletcher. I need to go find that and retweet it or something. Yeah, man. It's, it's just his his uh, Twitter handle is just his full name. No 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 spaces. Luke, Luke Pletcher. Yep, yeah. It was awesome when I saw it. I was like, that is the best. I retweeted it right away. One. Yep. One point seven three hundred sixty. Re- I just retweeted it for you, Tommy. Um, yeah, you're gonna amp it up for him. Wow, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So. So okay, so uh, are you going? Are, is Bojo and and Micah? Is, are they going to make the trip or no? Yeah, I think I think everybody's wrestling besides Kyle Snyder because he's at Uregan. Um, well, but the, I mean the backup Ohio State guy, they got this backup Iowa Josh, guy. Josh goes. Fox, yeah, Josh Fox. After watching, that's kind of the other reason I wanted to watch uh, Neville's and the Iowa kid. And after watching that, I mean, yeah, Josh Fox can win that match. Wow. So a very, very winnable match. So can so, I? Can Ohio State win? I haven't went through the match in my head. Can Ohio State win the duel? Um, I would say that they would be favored slightly if Snyder was in. But yeah, how about uh, is um, is there's Jose, some good is Jose Rodriguez making the trip? He's going to wrestle, but you know, I mean, he's not wrestling in any position to expect anything other than no. you know, you got to slot in a major there. Well, I mean, that good. might be uh, yeah, that might that might be uh. Straw on the camel's back for Jose Rodriguez. Right. And then, you know, Tomasello has the slight edge over This Clark. is going to be an awesome match. I'm excited. Yep. And then 41. Yeah, what's got... your score prediction? For the for the match? Yes. With Tomasello? Yes. I'm saying 5-2. I'm going 7-5 Tomasello. Okay. Yeah, I'm going 5-2 Clark. I'm just kidding. 5-2 Tomasello. Ha <laughs> I'm going three takedowns and an escape. Versus uh, four escapes and a stall warning. Yeah, nice. What if that happened? Uh, not in Carver Hawkeye. Why ain't not? Gonna, ain't going to get a stall warning. No, 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 no. Tomasello is going to give up a stall point. Clark's going to oh, give yeah, a stall Yeah, point. he probably will. That's that's happening. Just like Pletcher said. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get back on the, on the Iowa, State, Iowa Penn State before we get too far off track. Uh, and then 84, what do you got to say about that? I mean, this dude <laughs> is hitting splaytles. What's he doing? Who hits a splaytle? I don't know. Who gets splaytled? Yeah, I mean, that- you know what, though? I, I, at first, I, I had the same thought. Um, and the interesting thing was about, about it was, usually when you hit a splaytle, you're on a regular head inside single, you know? Yep. And... And Brooks was kind of like on the ankle. So it was a really no. weird place to do a splaydle from. Here's the thing, though, Ben. Really there, weird place. I've never seen a splaydle occur where there's not at least a three or four second period where if all you do is Fair let enough. go for the leg, you won't get splaydled. Yeah. I, I Okay. I, I agree there. But it was a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got splayed in in my lifetime that I can I, remember. I because here's why. Here's why. Because I oh, man, go. this isn't right. He, he's got me in a funky position. Let go of the leg. Give up a takedown or scramble out of it. Like it's not hard to not get splayed. Well, I mean, but that's not fair, Tommy. Because you're a heavyweight. No one has splayed a heavyweight. 
Ben, it's not hard. <laughs> this is this is physics, man. It's not hard to not get spladled. Okay, I, I now I would say that there's guys that have spladles so good and their timing is so good. Who's been the, the last good spladler? Because Nick Simmons hit a banana split, not a spladle, right? Right. So what I was getting at though with the spladle is I don't think there's anyone who's had good spladle. I mean, that's because it's not a very good move. Oh, wait. Trout? Didn't Trout just hit a spladle against Gilman? I don't even know. I'm going to start a split Americans Against Spladles Association of America or something. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Anyways, it okay. was impressive. I mean. It was. Hey, how about the uh, – I, I do read the forums. Will, Willie Saylor was trying to get me to register for the forums because I've read them for about 20 years and I'm, I'm on the Matt.com and I never got on. Right. He's like, you need to get an account and just say stuff. It would be awesome. And so uh, I'm not going to, but I do read them still. And they were saying at the Hawkeye thing, people were yelling at uh, – they were pissed about Nickel for celebrating the pin. Like how lame is that? I'm watching it right now. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't celebrate that much. Even he did. You just spladled the guy that I, won the Big Tens last year. Go ahead and have a party for all I care. Uh, Brooks Brooks was trying to come up on the hip for like eight seconds. That's so crazy. Oh, geez, you hear that? oh, I can hear. Did you hear that? I did. That that, that was uh, Mark Bader. <laughs> One of my um. Hey, this is funny. Who the hell was I with now? Oh, I w- I was at dinner or two nights ago at. With the Congress people. Uh-huh. And one of the people says, yeah, you, you know some people at Flow, right? I said, yeah. And they said, uh, whoever whoever was doing the submission undergrounds, they got to stop yelling so much. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, that, that one guy that works for Flow, he does the wrestling also. I'm like, oh, that's Bader. He, he just gets excited. That's just how he is. He's like, I can't take it. He can't yell so much. <laughs> Too funny, right? Uh, that's good. Um, ninety-seven, was- close heavyweight, close. Yeah, yeah. So Impressive. Good. Possibly the match of the week, though. Ben was Imar versus Massa. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and admit, Tommy, I did not get to see it. Um, I'm gonna admit that I did not get to see the match, but I saw the takedown. Was it awesome? Uh, it was insane. I mean, it was a beautiful lefty. I wouldn't call it a swim high crotch, but like a lefty. Oh, I know what he does. Yeah, it was it was it was like that. It's like he he lowers his level and then knee slides across the mat like Darth Vader or something, and um, just very impressive. But I I can't speak to how close Massa was to winning. I can't speak to how many opportunities he had or did not have, or how many more opportunities Martinez might have had. But just the fact that it was three to one. You know, yeah, no, it's. it's I mean, I, I guess I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Well, you know I mean, Logan Masters, he beat, he beat Jake Herbert in practice match. Well, yeah, but apparently that happens to Jake a lot. <laughs> um, nice. So, uh, what else do we have to talk about? Let's see. Um, let's go with uh, Brock over Gross. I did get to catch this one. Um, I, did. I don't think it was that shocking. I, I, I just really don't. I think. Um, I think obviously, uh, obviously, Gross is, is good, and um, 
Brock, I think the one per and I've seen him be ridden before. And if you can get ridden, Gross is going to ride you. Um, and so I think Brock's going to go ahead and hope those two don't end up on the same side of the bracket at Nationals. Is that fair? Well, oh, yeah. shit, but they're both they're both in the Big Twelve now, so they're going to wrestle again in conference. Right. So we're going to see yeah. that one again. That'll here's be fun. Something we, here's something we can bring up. Jason Peters is out at Pitt. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, I didn't read yeah. the follow up to the story, but I guess I. I Saw Something some happened people were inferring. I don't know what. Yeah, did you, did, did you read the update? There was a new one that said more stuff coming out. Yeah, I, I don't know what. Who do you think is going to be in line for that job? Could it possibly be Keith Gap? I mean, that's who I, who I think should go do it. But Okay, Pittsburgh coach fired after incident. Um, if, if I, you know, Keith Gavin, obviously, he's from... Pennsylvania. He wrestled at Pitt. He's a national champ, a world team member. Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, he would be the guy that would be in line. I think that w- one thing that's cool about Gavin at Pitt is that Gavin is a prototypical recruit for Pitt because Pitt's not going to get the first tier PA kids. But yep. you're going to get the second tier PA kids. And the second tier PA kids are either, you know, they're either animals or diamonds in the rough because of where they come from. Yeah. And he that story in the living room across the state of Pennsylvania with him telling it and saying, hey, you know, I was freaking fifth in the state one time or whatever the heck it was. I forget what it was. Yeah, well, he never won a state title. Yeah. And um, I went on, you know, had an undefeated season, won the NCAA tournament and became, you know, became what I became. You know, it can happen for you too. It can be done. It, and it does. Can, it can happen here at Pittsburgh because I did it here. Correct. I mean, I just think that's a good story. I mean, yeah. I think it's, a, and I love. I like Keith Gavin on a per- personal level too. So I think he would just be. Lou, Lou would be sad to lose him. Lou would be sad to lose him, but also you and know, his wife is also from the Pittsburgh area, and they do have kids now. So I, I think there's a. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there would be a lot of motivation if that was possible for them to move. So what you're there. saying is he wants the job. Uh, I you know I haven't asked him that point blank before, but you know knowing him and, and knowing um, where where he's from, where his wife's from, they got kids. Yeah, I think he I think he would love to be back there. Right, I'm with you. So he's my pick. They're gonna, they're obviously going to wait till after the season to, to do anything, or I would have to assume they're going to. Um, is there any other matches we got to talk about from last weekend? Well, why don't you give me your total duel prediction, Iowa versus. Um, Iowa versus Oklahoma State. You mean Iowa versus Ohio State? Oh, my God. That's, I mean, Iowa yeah, versus Ohio we're, State. Ta- we're talking about the real OSU now, Ben. Let's see. I'm going 5-0. Let uh, me go. Let me go. I got 4-0. I'm, I'm going 4-0 Iowa, uh, 4-3 Iowa, um, 6-4 Ohio State. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll give Ooh. it to some you giving it to Sorensen or Michael? Uh, I'm giving it to Micah Jordan. It's uh, <laughs> 9-4 to Ohio State, uh, 57. Okay. I'll give him uh, Iowa a major. It's 9-8 to Ohio State, 65. I'll give to Iowa. It's 11-9 to Iowa, 74. I'll give to Ohio State. That's 12-11 yep. uh, Ohio State, 84 Ooh, Brooks and Mymar. I'm gonna give it to to Mymar. That's fifteen to eleven. Ninety-seven. 
I'm giving to Ohio State. That's 18 to 11. Heavyweight. Oof, man. I'm going to give to Ohio State. That's 21 to 11. Ooh. Now, I will say, I did give Ohio State three toss-ups, in my opinion, which is 49, 84, and heavyweight. Um, so I got to go almost the exact same as you. I'm going to go the exact same as you, except Tech Fall for Gilman. And okay. the one that I really think could go the other way would be the, the Mymar Brooks. Like, I'm not comfortable at all. Or I'm not confident at all picking um, Mymar there. He's, he's been too up and down. Um, I think 49 84 and heavyweight. I mean, what I'm learning is that's the duel 49 84 yeah. and heavy. I mean, it I'm, wouldn't be overly shocking if, if, um, Carton beat Pletcher. I don't think that would be shocking. If Clark beat Tomasello, that wouldn't be shocking. So I guess, um, I think, but point. if Jose Rodriguez beat Gilman, that, that would be pretty damn shocking. Yeah, I guess I can't. Yeah, obviously Clark can beat Tomasello. Now, now, now you're nervous. I oh yeah, I am nervous. I am nervous. Hey, let's get one topic. We we haven't talked a lot about like the the business of wrestling that we did last year. We haven't bashed on singlets in a while. But let's call. It, you want to bash on singlets for like one minute and then go okay. to the yeah, let's go. Singlets suck. We should go. Uh, hey, T- Team T Row and Funky Mercenary should have um, shorts keep- and compression tops. Is that so, even legal? Uh, real quick, Ben, I, I'm um, I'm running the, the Little Eagle Wrestling Club as you as I mentioned yeah. uh, weeks ago. I have 49 kids. Out of the 49, I'd say 42 or three of them are in their first year. Um, I encouraged the kids that are enjoying themselves and wanting a little bit more to go to it's called a rookie wrestling tournament it's at nice, a rec, yeah. it's, it's at a rec center on saturday mm-hmm. and um i'm taking my twin sons because they just want to be like their big brother so they're just dying to put on a, a singlet actually but at any rate the rest of the kids are not because they are very they're foreigners to the sport so i just told them please don't worry about wearing a singlet at all i don't want that to be a hurdle yeah i I talked to the tournament director. T-shirt and shorts are fine. I'm like, I just don't want that to be a hurdle at all. Enjoy yourself and let's have some fun on Saturday. Nice. So I've got like 15 kids going to this tournament out of the 49 that wrestle at the club because I did. It was obviously obviously optional, sure. but they're all going to be there in t-shirt and shorts. You know what I mean? Because it's like I don't want to try to confront that with them. I just want them to. I want retention. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100. percent So. Um. Yeah, I agree. So my topic that I'm going to bring up tonight, and I'm curious to hear what your opinion is because we haven't talked about this one, but it is kind of a hot topic, is the amount of high school weight classes. And I think this is a funny topic because people are always complaining and bitching about the Olympics. We're down to six weight classes. That's way too few. We know that. And there's a lot of high school coaches right now that are saying 14 weight classes is too much. Uh, how, How do you feel about that? I think there's merit in that. I think it would help limit forfeits. So what's uh, the number? I don't know that. Um, I do know that there is a string of weight classes that seem like they all just go together. I think it's like 26, 32, 38. Yeah, but that's four. where the most of your kids are. You can't. I know that. I, I, I know that there's, that's where the most of the kids are. That 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 is not the point. The point is – can you tell the difference between a 26-pounder and a 32-pounder? Well, I mean, but when you look at statistics, when you look at so – they have done statistics on which weight classes are forfeited. And generally speaking, the, the bottom two are the most two forfeited, right? But then I think what you do if you if you take one of those out is that you um, 
is that you, you know, the sport of wrestling is supposed to be everyone. There's small guys all the way up to big guys, and if you eliminate one of those small classes, I think that really hurts a lot of the kids. Right. Especially kids that size, what else are they going to do? What else is a 106-pound sophomore going to do? Well, it also hurts the kid that's really committed to the sport, and he's a freshman. Yeah, that too. Um. Hey, not to bounce around at all, and I, and I almost don't want to bring it up because Wait. I want to talk about it longer. Okay, cool. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I wanted to stay on the 14 topic. I was just going to say that um, I can tell you, you know, I think it's an effort thing, Tommy. Obviously, it is challenging, um, but I I can tell you with 100% confidence that the, the, the coaches that put in the most effort in my area are the ones that are most likely to fill their team. And obviously, there's circumstances where they might forfeit a weight because of an injury or something like that. But um, for the most part, those those coaches who can uh, speak with their athletes, they get along well with them, those guys are filling up their team. And so I think from a wrestling coach's perspective, I, th- I think it's kind of an easy way out saying we need less weight classes as opposed to putting more effort into filling all the weight classes. And maybe, you know, I'm not a high school coach, so maybe that criticism is not fair, but that's kind of the way I see it. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think it, there's a lot of merit in that. Kind of tying to that, though, Ben, is um, someone tweeted at us, and, uh, man, I guess we'll just spend a few minutes talking about this, but... I do think that forfeits should be worth more team points than pins. Why? So, you, so you're incentivized to make someone wrestle? Yes. Hmm. Or or you're being penalized for not hustling as a coach. I'm not – I mean that, that kind of feeds right into the topic we're talking about. I guess right. um, I wouldn't be 100% opposed to it. I think it kind of would create a weird dynamic, but – I definitely wouldn't be a hundred percent opposed to it. Well, I mean, if it, I mean, if, if 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 you really have to forfeit, guess what? It doesn't matter how many team points they're they're taking away. You're going to forfeit. Yeah. So yeah. Even, sure. even though it stinks, it doesn't influence anything because you're forfeiting because you have no other choice. That's why you should be forfeiting. So, by virtue of making it worth more team points than a pin, the only person that would legitimately forfeit is someone that has to forfeit and it eliminates makes sense uh, it eliminates oh well we're gonna get gamesmanship yeah and all that stuff and or, or it's like you know he's a little banged up and we're gonna get beaten this we're gonna or we're gonna crush them in the dual meet anyway you know what i mean like i guess it's just put a little bit more of a zinger in there and incentivize for a number of reasons yeah i mean and so and that's like when we talked about. I talked to Martin a lot about the, about increasing the numbers in wrestling. It it is it, it's a really hard topic because what it really comes down to is every single coach putting a little more hustle in and getting two or three more kids and and the retention rate. It's every single coach um, spending a little more time making sure that that kid comes out um, because the co- you know you never know what little small things you're going to do that's going to make a kid stay out right. Right. And so I think it's just. Um, it's very challenging um, to kind of across the board say we're going to increase increase the the participation in wrestling because there there are things you can do at the you know at the national level but I really think it just it comes down to coach by coach maybe so maybe that's a education process for all the coaches um, right but I think that's what it comes down to. I'm with you, man. I'm with you, brother. So so uh, end of the day, reducing the weight classes or not, and if so, and if so. 
Which one are you taking out? I'm reducing them, and I am just I'm redoing them. I mean, I, I guess I'm not. Taking, totally, you're totally redoing them. I'm totally redoing them. I'm not taking any of them out. I'm redoing them. I'm redoing them. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I pro- I'd probably I'd probably go down to like twelve. It wouldn't be anything drastic. Well, that's, that's what a lot of a lot of people say they want to go down to, go down to twelve. Right. Because I do agree that. But you, do you feel like twelve is too few? Because there, what if there are a lot of um, there are a, a lot of schools that uh, you know that can that do fill up the fourteen. So so now you're taking two varsity opportunities yeah, away just, on those teams, or? Yeah, I just I just think. Um, you know, we could afford to have less. We've had less. There's been, you know, well, you, they, there was 13 during both of our times. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was less than prior to that. You know, so really, I think so. Yeah. I guess you're, you're older than me, so you, you might know. But I think 12 would be good. 12. 12. Would be good. Wow. 12. Huh. Okay. Finally, that's 12. I, I I'm gonna stay. What are you doing? You are you with, not? Stick, I'm gonna stick with 14. Um. You know, initially I would feel like, hey, let's take out. You just want more trophies handed out so you can have a bigger club. LOL, LOL. I think there's too many upperweights. But then when you look at those statistics, a lot of those upperweights are are filled pretty well. Um, So, I, you know, some kind of coach education program, um, you know, get the guys who. I actually think, I actually think, Ben, that 215 is kind of weak or 220 now. Um. Yeah, it's kind of weak because. Let me tell you why. Why? Because a you're you're not going to find the type of build in a two fifteen. It's like a smaller heavyweight. If that makes any sense. No. Yeah. I, I get. It. There's not a lot of kids that, at heavyweight who are actually built enough to justify being. A I, I was I was a two fifteen pounder my senior year, but I'm just saying it's just like the the weight class doesn't. Fill a hole, in my opinion. You got it's just it. I can't. I I, I got to come back to the next episode and really explain it better without ripping on you know my own kind here. But I just don't think. I think it's it, it just didn't fill a void when they added it. Hmm. I, I guess that that would make sense. Um. And and yeah, I mean, especially because the, it was one eighty nine. That's now been moved up to one ninety five. I mean, one ninety five is a pretty damn big kid. Yeah, I, I yeah I guess I guess all of the two fifteen pounders, two twenty pounders could make one ninety five mm-hmm. and not cut even close to as much as these other guys do, or or go heavyweight because they're big enough. Yeah, sure. instead we're just encouraging them to be sloppier and lazier. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, Tommy. Um, no, so next week we got Ohio State Iowa to talk about. We're, we're actually going to do this show on Sunday next week. So and then obviously yeah. I'll be. Able to talk about Missouri versus Oklahoma State because I'll bend to that match. Boom. All right. See you, dude. Have a good night. Thank you. See you. You are listening to the T Row and Funky Show brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built.